0: Using Rocket Pro TPO is like managing a team of all-stars. Our Powerhouse Squad approaches underwriters, complete document reviews, and initial underwrites in just one day. With our industry-leading mortgage insurance and with a wide variety of products to use, your mortgage game will have zero weaknesses, helping you and your clients win more closings against today's tough competition. Rocket Pro TPO, compete at the highest level. Call for cost information and conditions, equal housing lender, license in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org number 3030. You're listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery. Get the knowledge you need to advance your mortgage practice quickly and efficiently from Jen DuPlessis, America's Mortgage Mastery Mentor with over 37 years of experience and over $1 billion in lifetime fundings. Jen has been mentoring loan officers and realtors for over 15 years and speaking on stages across the globe. So settle in and get ready as Jen and her guests share their experience, passion, and strategies to help you crack the top producer code to reach new heights in your business. And now, here's your host, Jen DuPlessis, mortgage mastery mentor and head chicken charge of Kinetic Spark Consulting.
1: Hi everyone and welcome back to this episode. I'm your host, Jen Duplessis. I am delighted today to have Michael Blank with us. And let me tell you a little bit about him. This is so exciting because, you know, whenever I get the chance to speak with a real estate investor, it's right up my alley. It's stuff I love to hear about and love to do. And Michael, he and I were just talking, he's from Virginia, originally outside of Washington, DC, right up the road from where I'm at, technically 30 miles, but right up the road from me. He's a real estate investor. He's a bestselling author of Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing. So you want to listen in. He's a speaker and leading authority on apartment investing in the United States. I really love that. He's the CEO of Nighthawk Equity. Love the name. I have a company called Black Fox Investments. So love the name. Host of the Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing Podcast. So welcome to the show, Michael. We're so delighted to have you here today.
2: Yeah, and it's great to be here today.
1: Thank you. Thank you. So let's just dig in on how you got started. One of the things that I think most people ask about real estate investing is uh, you know, because I you know and I know, and I think most of our listeners know, is that there's a lot of wannabe investors. There's a lot of money spent on going to classes and courses and gurus and all that. And really no action is taken. So give us an idea of how you really got started in this.
2: Yeah, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad in 2004. Ah, And I thought I was my, I was considering myself a a relatively smart person until I read that book. And I was, oh, I'm such an idiot. Like, it doesn't (laughs) matter how much money you have in the bank, what your salary is, it matters how much passive income you have and i had yeah. well basically none zero <laughs> right. <clears throat> zero right yeah. I, I had yeah. maybe a tiny pennies but none yeah. none to speak of really and that really shook me to the core the problem with the purple book is that it doesn't actually tell you how to get financial freedom it it uses words like real estate investing and cash flow business and that's about the extent of it and yeah. so yeah. the readers left to figure out well how am i going to do it so when i read that book i made it my mission to kind of get this financial freedom and I did a bunch of stuff to try to get it. And it took me 10 years to figure it out. And in the meantime, I lost everything I had, almost my house in the, in the pursuit of it. But at the time, I had a bunch of money. <laughs> I did. I had a bunch of money because I was part of a software IPO. The company I joined in the late um, 90s mm-hmm. uh, had a yeah. software IPO, put yeah. a bunch of money in my pocket. Therefore, I had a runway to experiment with. So I took. I, I learned uh, how to trade stocks and options. I flipped a couple <laughs> houses. I took yeah. an apartment boot camp even in 2006. But my big idea was restaurants, okay, restaurants, because, you know, the Five Guys Burgers guys, right? They came from right. Northern Virginia.
0: Right. And
2: I was around some of those franchisees and they're like, oh yeah, you hire a guy and you and you you print money, you're printing money. <laughs> I'm like, oh wait, I wanna print money, this is great. Of course, it's Five Guys was sold out at the time, so I got into a pizza franchise and, and I just went all in. I was like, this is it, this is my ticket to financial freedom. And I went all in and it went, worked great for about two and a half years until the recession came and that changed everything. <laughs> right. And it right. really kicked my butt. Really kicked my butt yeah. pretty bad. And and I was in a pretty deep hole. And then I, I remembered the real estate investing stuff and started flipping houses and raising yeah. money to flip the houses. This was in you know in, in PG County and DC, yeah. a little bit in Baltimore. And kind of <laughs> tried
1: you to don't want to go too far into out Baltimore. Of the hole. Right. <laughs>
2: yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Very yeah. lightly. Yeah, yeah. So that was uh, the, the journey until I it kind of accidentally got into an apartment building in 2011. One of my flipper wholesalers got me this deal. It was listed by a real estate agent, and I ended up buying it. I sent synd- it was my first syndication where you get money from investors. I had five investors, and I bought this thing, and it was in itself a, a nightmare. I immediately regretted getting into it because I had a professional tenant in there who had made, made my life miserable hell uh, and yeah. took me about 12 to 18 months to stabilize that. And then I went on happily you know, flipping houses. And then one day I was like, man, this is insane. I'm, I'm trying to get out of these restaurants. I'm I'm flipping houses. I'm working like 80 hours a week. And I'm like, this is nothing passive around any of this stuff. There's a cash flow right. business. It's a monopoly and real estate, game. And I'm right? killing myself. Yeah. yeah.
1: It's a monopoly, it's, right? Like running around wheel. the monopoly. Yeah, without this, oh, without the awful. hotels.
2: Yeah. Yeah, without <laughs> right. the hotels. It, and so it was it was not yeah. there was no no financial freedom in there at all until I was like, well, maybe I should stop selling houses, maybe hold on to them. That sounds like a good yeah. idea. I was like, Well, I shoot. Hold. Okay, I can maybe cash flow 150 bucks a month per house. I was like, well, if I want 10,000 a month in income, I'm going to need a lot of houses. And I just got done flipping three dozen. I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. That is no way. I'm accumulating <laughs> a portfolio of 50 houses. <laughs> yeah. And and so finally, I was like, you know what? I should. I I probably need more of these buildings, and, and stop flipping these houses. And that's kind of when I mentally took a shift. But at that point, you know, I'm like seven years into my journey, right? And it's wow. I've wasted so much time, so much mm. money, so much energy. And it was just a giant waste. And now today we have a much more direct path to financial freedom. And it is with apartments. And it surprises a lot of people because people think it's an advanced strategy and need a lot of money to it and money for it. And and it's actually not true. So we're using that as our platform to accelerate financial freedom, whether you're active investor or a passive investor.
1: Yeah, I love that. So yeah, so you have partnerships that you've created for some people it's just, you know, an investment of money, others investment of time, you know, putting those apartments together. I know someone that that is really big in this, right? Grant Cardone, he's doing this at the 50 million and 100 million dollar level in apartment buildings, you know, and accumulating investors and, you know, doing all of that as well. So when you started doing this, I mean, cuz obviously you know, apartment buildings is a different type of lending feature, right? It's unless you're paying cash for it, unless you're able to pay cash for it by pulling all these people together, it's definitely a different type of lending. So, how did you embark on that? Because I think that that's one not boundary wall that people kind of you know hiccup or butt, speed bump that people run across is that they don't have the experience in the commercial side, and therefore the the banks you know tend to say, well, you don't have the experience in it, but bring in another investor who has the experience, and we'll talk. So. How did you get past that? Because that becomes the hurdle that most people then say, well, okay, this is too big for me. I probably shouldn't be doing apartments. I'll go back to, you know, the onesie, twosie and investor.
2: Yeah, the experience is not so much on the lending side as much as on the I, you know, a lack of belief side. Like I don't have the experience, mm-hmm. therefore I can't do it. The lenders, interestingly, when you get to commercial real estate, as you know, is they typically tend to underwrite more of the uh, actual commercial real estate and less. Who the people the are borrowing it? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So yes, do they look at your credit score? Yes, they do. Do they look at your net worth? Yes. And if you don't have the net worth and liquidity requirements, uh, is it possible that you don't won't qualify for the loan? Yes. But it's easy to fix in that perspective because you can partner with people, yeah. and there are plenty of people who have who are high net worth individuals who will simply uh, sign on the, on the mortgage on the note uh, w- with you. Uh, because the risk is, is so low. And a lot of these yeah. loans are not, yeah. non-recourse. You don't have to personally guarantee them. So if something were to go bad, the guarantors are not going to lose their house and their cars and their kids and their dogs, right? They're just going to yeah. take the building yeah. back. Versus a, a house, well, you're personally guaranteeing a mortgage on the house. <laughs> <Right>. like, and <laughs> yeah. and so, so if I'm co-signing with some knucklehead, I'm like, hmm, I'm not so sure. But on a commercial property, a lot would have to go wrong and there would have to be fraud committed for someone to go after you personally. So the the risk factor is a lot lower on the lending side, but it's more on the belief side, I think is the issue because a lot of people think, oh my gosh, there's this building. I need all this money, all these, all this experience. Oh, I know. Let me invest for five to 10 years in single family houses. And then I'll take that real estate, that experience and the money I make and I'll graduate. Okay. It's not a bad plan, but it's an unnecessary plan.
1: Yeah. I love, and I love that you're saying that because those that are listening in on this podcast, you know, are saying, you know, how can I make an impact in my business? How can I make an impact in my life? You know, help others as well. So I want to ask you a couple of other questions, you know, relative to, you know, what propel, what propels you to do this? I mean, I understand that you wanted, you know, rich dad, poor dad with Sharon Lecter is a very good friend of mine who wrote the book. I know that we all want this financial freedom and I, you know, and I consider flipping houses to be the S on the left side because you're trading time for money. You always have to be hunting for the deal. And that's why, you know, we've always done buy and hold for that very reason. So I know that you want that financial freedom, but there's got to be another passion that's deeply embedded into why you want to serve people that are underserved you know in the apartment building or rental you know area why do you want to be a landlord because i do think that like you said it's a mindset you can't just want the money you'll hate it
2: yeah. It started that way though. Right. It, it started yeah, that way. which, which I and, and this is, I think, you know, when I read the, the purple book, in my mind, it, it was about the money. Yes. Was I trying to take care of my family? Yeah. But it's really just an extension of me. It, that's really where it started. And I, I think anytime you think about, you know, just, it's about money. It's a very, very superficial. Why, right. It's yeah. a very, super, yeah. and it's, it's not going to get you through the difficult times that you have. And for me, I just, I was just fixated on this $10,000 per month. I never asked, bothered to ask the question really. So what? So you have yeah. this money, why? so much, Great, good for yeah. you, well, <laughs> yeah. now what, right? Yeah. And so, and this is something I had to learn and I only learned this at the depth of my misery when I was at like 2012, my restaurants are losing $20,000 a month and I'm like, you know, sitting in the corner, sucking my thumb. I'm like, you know, why, <laughs> yeah. why am I here? You're like, why am I on this green earth, right? And this is where I just get a very strong, I just conversation with God. I'm like, why did you put me here? You know, you made right. me quit my right. job and now, you know, now I'm in this position. And I got a very strong impression that I was to share with others my journey to financial freedom as misguided as it was and figure out the the most, the more direct path. Because my conclusion was that financial freedom is to a large extent, a precursor to significance. Meaning that if you are working 60 hours a week, it's very difficult for you to figure out your purpose in life. And more importantly, actually make, take action towards that purpose. Because yeah. a lot of times, especially in the beginning, your, your purpose is not going to be a moneymaker. Right? That's why we have jobs that we maybe don't like as much, right? But our true purpose is over here, being a, yeah. a school teacher or, or doing nonprofit work or inner city work or whatever the passion is, art. I don't care, right? Whatever it is. and But I can't do it because I have to provide for my family. And this frustrates people. And so my part of the solution is why can't well, let's let's help people become financially free with something that you can do that literally gets you financially free in one to two years and the, the, has the widest application to people, regardless of regardless of who you are, what your background is, what your resources are, who you know, or any of that. And that is apartment buildings. It's a surprising thing because people are like, oh, my gosh, it's a super advanced strategy. Let me tell you, it's not nearly <laughs> as advanced as you think it is.
1: Yeah. So, so it became something for you is just, you know, how can I make a significance in the world? And, you know, it's funny because that's exactly what, you know, my whole path has been is, you know, I think what we do is we learn, we earn, and then we want to return some way. Right. And if we earn in a great way and we use our, our money smart, right, our invest, our everything that we've earned smart, and we don't buy $70,000 watches and, you know, accumulate, right, <laughs> then, you know, then we have the opportunity to get back to people in another in another way. Okay. So, and I will ask you, I want to ask you a couple of questions about your book. And I know it, uh, for those that are watching the video, right, uh, you see it sitting on his desk, but I want to ask you a couple of things about the book, about what you think is the you know, the best advice you're giving in the book. I'm I'm listening to this podcast and I'm going, okay, he's saying that this is easier. Come on, can't be that easy. I know you're saying it. I hear that a lot from a lot of people. Let's say I have $10,000. Can I do anything? Or do I have to have a hundred thousand? Because now someone's listening and they're thinking, okay, I'm going to make this difference. I'm going to make this change in my life. What do I really, really need? But thinking about the book and that question at the same time, about the book. What's the number one advice you want to give to someone?
2: Yeah, I mean, the number one advice is that you should strongly consider investing in apartment buildings. That's that's really the number one. And and the two main objections I hear from people is that, you know, this is great, Michael. I get the cash flow, the wealth, the tax benefits, blah, blah, blah. But I don't have the money and all the experience. Right? That, it just boils mm-hmm. down to that.
1: Yeah, it does. So the yeah. first
2: part of the, <clears throat> the first part of the book just deals with that straight on, because I, you know, I can teach you how to analyze deals, how to find deals, how to talk to brokers. But blah, blah, blah. You're not listening to me because you can't move <laughs> past that. So yeah, but I don't I have, have to, the money. But I don't have the money. I don't,
1: I don't have, have the, the experience. Money, right? right. I don't have the right. experience. Right. So yeah, yeah. What,
2: I, what I can tell you is it's it's surprising how how quickly you can overcome both of those things. It is shocking to people. Meaning that the money part you can overcome by raising money from 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 individuals, and these individuals have a problem. Which is called a stock market, right? They invest in a stock market, and they they are frustrated by their inability to to, to plan long term because of the volatility. They can't get cash flow from it, so they can't right. they can't it's They can't become it's financial linear. free,
1: right?
2: Yeah, linear, and and I pay t- too many taxes. So yeah. you educating yourself. <laughs> yes, around, getting,
1: get ready for twenty twenty
2: two. Right. Right. So so real estate syndications. Yeah. Yeah. solves all those. Therefore, you once you know how it works, all you're doing is you're educating people around you. And, and yeah. these investors with money, they will, they will lean in because those are exactly the three problems that they're struggling with on the financial side. And you appear to have a solution. So it's a matter of educating people. And so doing, you're actually adding value to people. You're not begging them for money. You're adding value to them. So yeah. what I'm saying is raising capital is actually surprisingly easy especially in this environment there's so so much cash oh yeah it's cash and
1: there's so little being paid with the cash you know that people are looking for other vehicles yeah and unfortunately i mean for from my perspective unfortunately they're all jumping into bitcoin because they hear that's really cool and nfts and you know and i think all those are wonderful and i have i have both okay but a little bit of both yeah (laughs) not a lot of both right yeah So
2: the second objection is experience, right? I don't have Mm -hmm. the experience. So this is where people say, well, let me flip a house. Let me landlord a little bit. Let me get some experience. And again, not a bad plan. It's better than 98% of other Americans, but it's not, it's unnecessary. In other words, what you need to over to appear more experienced is you need to educate yourself a little bit. So you're using the right language and you're delivering it with some amount of confidence. Okay. So you need a little bit of education, but you need education anytime you pick up anything else. Yeah. Right. When you start playing golf, options,
1: Bitcoin, anything,
2: you got to use the right word. So when you're talking to people, they don't look go. Oh, he's not a newbie. You know, he seems to know what he's talking about. And number two, and this is a difference from single family houses is you got to build a team. So on your team, you have a lender. Like, example, lender, mm-hmm. you have a property manager, you might have an attorney and a CPA and mm-hmm. a property manager. And so when you call brokers or talk to investors, you talk to them in terms of your team, right? So now yeah. the focus yeah. is not on you and your lack of experience, it's much more on your team. If you're of a property manager, for example, who manages five thousand units, well, you're talking about your manager who manages five thousand units, not me who has never done a deal before, right? If I have yeah. a lender, yeah. you know they've done yeah. a billion dollars of loans last year, well, they're not even talking about me. And now they're like, Oh, wow. You've got pretty, you're pretty serious, right? (laughs) You're serious. You're using the right words. And also, and you're going, I'm seriously
1: not experienced and I'm afraid. Right. Yeah. But, but
2: so what I'm saying is you can overcome both your lack of money and your experience within a matter of 60 to 90 days, 60 to 90 days. And you have a degree of confidence. You have learned the art and science of raising capital. And now you can buy an apartment building and now you just got to pick your favorite size. If it's a duplex, buy a duplex. If it's a 50 unit, buy a 50 unit. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because of the progression of the deals.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of return, right? I mean, I was going to say diminishing return. I didn't mean to say law of diminishing return, but it's compounding, right? It's just scalability. And yeah. So I think that's really interesting. Okay. So again, I'm going to go back to the question, how much money does someone need to do this? I mean, if you're doing a duplex and you're doing a duplex in Baltimore near the inner city, you probably can get away with 10,000 plus maybe another investor to help you.
2: Yeah. So again, pick your favorite entry point. The reason I said it doesn't matter is because of the law of the first deal. The law of the first deal is something I coined in the book. And it's it's a fascinating phenomenon because, because of the progression of the deal. If you buy a duplex, the second deal is going to be around 10 units. The third deal is going to be around 25 units. And then the fourth deal is going to be between 50 and 100. And this is for a variety of different reasons. It just is. I've literally not found a single exception to the rule. As long as you approach a duplex from a multifamily mindset, because there's a lot of landlords who buy a duplex, even quad, because they have a single family mindset. Right. Because they're living in one piece. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. The, the, yeah. But the point is you got to fix, you got to pick your favorite entry point. But once you get to wrap your head around the fact that you can buy something with other people's money, if you can do that, it's just a matter of how many people can you, you know, can you talk into investing with you? Right. Well, if it's yeah. two people, well, you get a hundred thousand dollars. What can you buy with that? Well, then you buy that. Right. Yeah. But you might be able to talk five people into it like, like, like I was able to do. And that's a quarter million dollars. Well, now I can buy a million dollar building. So now it's a 12 yeah. unit in D.C. Right. Yeah. And now yeah. even more and high rent. You can joint. Yeah. You can joint venture yeah. with people. So let's say mm-hmm. you have a deal. There is someone like you who basically hates the idea of, of finding and analyzing deals because they hate spreadsheets. But what they love I is relationships <laughs> and and networking. And their biggest thing they're focusing on raising capital. And their biggest problem is they don't have the deal. So there are yeah. people like that out there. So if you have a deal, a fifty unit, seventy five unit, you need three million dollars there is guaranteed one or two people that are dying for a deal that you might have. Therefore, why limit yourself to a duplex when you know that you're one relationship away from a 50 or even hundred unit?
1: Yeah, and I think that's good. It's like, it's sort of like go big or go home. If you're going to spend the time and energy, just, just do it. You know, I mean, our, our first, although I don't, you know, I don't know that this is big, 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 but our first multifamily was nine units and we thought, oh, Mm -hmm. wow, we've arrived, (laughs) right. You know, buying nine units and then we went to 21. Right. And uh, you know, and that's, that's exactly what you're saying is there just seems to be some type of progression. So I have a couple of questions about the market, what you're seeing in the market right now, because we've seen. A lot of people coin it as a softening in the market. I don't see that. I see it as going back to normal, <laughs> going back to normal after what happened with COVID. But we also have forbearance issues. We have, you know, so there's a lot of single families that, you know, could be potentially coming up for some type of foreclosure. And I know an investor, I know me as an investor, I'm getting myself prepped, you know, to be able to walk into that market. I just bought a, an auction house, you know, in Illinois a couple months ago. and We're in the process of reselling that. I'm holding the note, passive income, right? I'm holding the note on it. So where do you see the multifamily market or apartment building market coming? And, and what have you seen over the past you know, year and a half? And then what do you see as what's coming up? Because I know that some people may be thinking, well, is it too late? Because I'm asking the questions they're thinking.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. That, again, a very, very common question. One of the things that I really like about multifamily specifically is how recession-proof it is. If you look at the way it performed in 2008, it was amazing how low the default rate was in 2008 from multifamily buildings. So, so COVID was a fantastic test of the asset class. So, in, in yeah. April, we're sitting there biting our biting our nails, going, "What's going right. to happen? Are people going to yeah. stop? Pay. You know, stop paying yeah. rent? Right? Because it's yeah. a fixed term. And what was interesting right. is they did not. They didn't stop yeah. paying. They chose to pay. I think it's because the uncertainty in the world around their health and their jobs, the one thing they can control is their housing. Mm -hmm. So they actually paid their rents. Now, there's always a portion of people who can't pay their rents in any market. Okay. Right, so that's different. Right, but the, right. the, the majority of, of tenants paid their, their rent. So it was surprising in April and May and June to see collections basically be very consistent with what we had before. Now we had to change the way we had to communicate with tenants. We had to remind them that they actually owed rent, even though we can't evict them, that once we could, we would and go after them and they actually needed to pay They're Like, oh, I didn't know that. Right, right. So it's sort of like forbearance, rent.
1: right? A lot of people don't know that's going to happen yeah. too. Right.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. And yeah. then of course the government Stroked a bunch of checks to to everybody. And then there's these PPP loans, which we got some benefit of that. And then there's direct loans uh, where the government literally paid people's background. So we got tens of thousands of dollars from the government directly to us for any kind of background that the tenants may have owed. It's staggering. So our collections were... Unbelievable. And coupled with this inflation we've had over the last 12 months, our rents are up like 10% yeah. across the portfolio. I don't know if you're seeing yeah. the same thing, but it's amazing. Yeah. Well, I am the with my becomes, so Airbnbs, right? I've doubled yeah, the price
1: well, on my did, Airbnbs. Well, yeah,
2: exactly, exactly right. <laughs> yeah. So you're seeing it yeah. all over the place. So yeah. looking back, it was amazing how resilient the asset class was. The next question becomes, well, that's great, Michael. Now, what about, it seems like, you know, the prices are pretty high. We seem to be in some kind of bubble. Should I wait this one out? which exactly what happened in 2008, of course, which mm-hmm. was an actual bubble. But right now, I don't think we're in a bubble Bit bubble because the fundamentals are completely different Absolutely. than they were in 2008. In, in 2008, you could buy a house, hold it for 21 days and sell it for a $30,000 profit with nothing yeah. having changed whatsoever, except that everybody wanted to get into real estate. Now it's changed that the fundamentals is that we're in an inflationary environment. Everything's mm-hmm. going up, number one. Yeah. And number two, due to that, I can't build any more affordable housing. OK, because it's yeah. too expensive. I right, can only right. build, class, well, you a,
1: build anyway. class. You can't build it anyway. You can't get people out there. You can't build
2: anyway. <laughs> right. So someone who can't afford more than yeah. $700 a month in rent is not going to go into some new apartment building that costs $2,000. okay it's just not going to happen. Yeah. So, yeah. so there is limited supply and an ever increasing demand for affordable housing, especially with COVID when people started moving into the south, southern part of the country. Mm-hmm. So now you have yeah. a dis- you have a limited supply in, say, Atlanta, Huntsville, Austin, right? And everybody's right. moving in this area. Well, the prices are going to go up, right? And yeah. people can afford it because their incomes have been going up also. Therefore, yeah. I mean, as, as I'm looking into it, prices are going to continue going up, maybe not as much in the last 12 months. You know, maybe we're only going to be at a 4 or 5% inflation, but they're going to go up nonetheless. And with it, the value of this, of this real estate, which is why I love real estate is a great inflation hedge kind of like gold except that it's it has cash flow.
1: Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. Okay, so thank you for sharing your thoughts on that. Yeah, and I agree with you too. I, and that's why I said I'm getting myself primed to go after, right? I'm just I'm I'm just saying, you know, getting ourselves all of our ducks in a row, we're creating some new LLCs, we're we're doing all of the actionable items that we need to do to take action to um, you know, to grow our portfolio. So the second thing I want to ask you about is commercial space because with COVID, People have withdrawn from that; they're not really going back into it. There's, you know, I know that it's pretty inexpensive to get an office building, right? I mean, an office, uh, if you want an office, right? You can. It's pretty inexpensive. What are your thoughts? Because this is what my thought is, and I'm just. So let me just ask you: Do you concur? What do you What do you think about it? But I think that with the short of a shortage of housing, that we're gonna see transition in commercial into converting it into apartment buildings and into different spaces. And I think that's going to open up a lot of doors. What are your thoughts on that?
2: It's it's definitely a possibility. We've already seen it with uh, hotels. Uh, even in, in, for example, Tyson's Corner, they were converting to Sheraton into, and this is a, a luxury high rise yes. in the middle of you know Northern Virginia into yeah. you know into apartments, senior living, that kind of stuff. And, yeah. and it's, you're seeing more of that. In fact, uh, the, a part of the strategy, some of our our students, for example, in, and people have have been converting hotels into apartments. These are especially ones that have kitchens in them, things of that nature. So we're already starting to see some of that. You know, yeah. the question is. Sometimes you swing the pendulum too far over. Everybody's moving into the suburbs. Then you go run in and buy a bunch of stuff in the suburbs. And then three years later, we're like, oh, I really miss walking everywhere. I'm going to move back to the city. And you're like, oh, crap. Now you have all this, you know, so so you got to be all this land like I do.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Right. Yeah. So, so (laughs) I, I don't know. I, I, gosh, I don't know. Converting stuff and changing the use of it. To me, it really is an advanced strategy. I mean, you got to understand zoning and permitting and all that stuff. But my gosh, with a short of a housing, it's it's something that you need to l- look yeah, at for yeah. sure. And you well, seen it I, more I, than in the last twelve months, never before.
1: Oh yeah, and I think you know, and I don't, I don't necessarily suggest anyone listening that doesn't have experience says, hey, I think I'll go into doing that. I'm thinking more that the conversion will be ha- happening by the developers, right? The developers will start mm-hmm. doing that, and then then we can buy those those types of places. Yeah, I've seen I've seen a lot of that, even even the malls. I'm now starting to see that that's being transferred, although. Or uh, transitioned and converted, although I kind of think they just need to be torn down and put more housing up instead because nobody's going to the malls anymore. Kind of an interesting. You know, concept in there. Okay, so as we look to close out our time here today, um, this has just been fascinating. Of course, fascinating because it's something I like to to look at. But this is this is really where you know everything in my podcast is about transition. It's about taking action. It's about learning. It's professional and personal development. And I know that that you offer some classes for people. So tell us a little bit about the structure. If someone's listening and says, you know, hey, I want to get really involved in this. I do want to take action. I have some cash and it's been sitting dormant. This is a great way for me to get started, and I can uh, attach myself, you know, to Michael.
2: Yeah. So I don't want to sell anyone anything right now. I think the biggest thing is, like you said, educating <laughs> yourself a little bit. And two great ways to do that is to is to, is to look at the book, and it it's called Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing. It's yellow. It looks like this, right? Yes, I love and, it. And the podcast is has exactly the same name. It's also yellow. It looks a lot like this cover. It's financial freedom with real estate investing. So uh, uh, look into both because it gives you the foray into into the whole world of real estate syndications. And what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to lower the bar from people's in their minds of how accessible this is. This is not an advanced strategy. If you're interested in investing, uh, we have a report called, uh, what's a better investment, stock market or real estate, right? (laughs) And you kind of know the answer (laughs) to that already, but in that report, we we talk about syndication specifically. So you're not buying a townhouse necessarily, but you're buying a syndication, right? You're passively yeah. investing, and that's at the michaelblank.com forward slash uh, report. So if you're more in a passive and minded, that's probably the best entry point. And once you get like, oh my gosh, this is for me. At that point, you can say, okay, well, maybe I can invest more in my education. And we have stuff for that as well. But that's a little bit, little bit down the road. I think education yeah. is probably the first, the first step.
1: Yeah, it's like take that. Don't jump in. So what you're saying is, go to the pool. And then assess before you hop in, before you even put a toe in. Don't come into the pool,
2: right? Don't (laughs) cannonball in the pool quite
1: yet. Right. Which is what a lot of people do. This is the whole, you know, investor wannabe is they start, you know, just jumping into every type of thing that they hear about and they, and then, you know, don't always succeed in all of those things and say, Hey, I've tried it. I've tried it. You know I mean? For example, my son, you know, my son's an option, an options trader. That's what he does. And and he has a company that coaches people on options trading and he firmly, firmly believes in it. But guess what? He also owns a ton of real estate. So it's a diversification to you know, be able to create the wealth that you're looking for. So Michael, as we, as we tidy up our, our time today, right now, tell us a little bit about your mantra. What is the mantra that you, uh, what do you want to leave us with? What do you want to leave us with a mantra a quote thoughts, you know, on how to achieve this financial freedom?
2: I would say, take some time to create clarity for yourself. It it boils. I've studied this now when you said action taker. Why do some people take action? and Why don't? And I think it's mm-hmm. because there is either great clarity or lack of clarity. And I, I was, I, I was guilty of this. I was, I was guilty of myself. I read the purple book and I'm an action taker. And I was like, oh, I'm going to take some action. I don't care what it is. I'm just, as long as I'm taking action and, and, and it would have been better. Had I just t- taken a little bit of time to think about what I'm doing. If I had yeah. played this forward and I thought about the restaurants and I thought about what's involved in <laughs> yeah. the work right. and the downside right. or same thing for flipping houses, what's involved what, you know, what lifestyle would this produce? Even if I were successful, and had I done any of that. I would have gone, Oh my gosh, that's not it. I don't know what it is, but that's not it. Right. So therefore clarity means, you know, what do you want in your life and what do you not want? Right. And financial freedom is one of those things. It's not a a dollar figure though, though it is a financial is an economic thing. It's financial freedom. What does that mean to you? And if you could achieve it, what? Why? What difference would that make? Right? How, what that? How would that make you feel? Or what kind of person would you become? What kind of impact could you make? And when you become clear around that, it it now gets you excited, and you now are naturally propelled and want to take action because you've now, you know, tasted what that future might look like, and now action is inevitable. Right? Now you just got to yeah. figure out well the strategy. You got to do it, but it's the clarity. That most people don't spend the time doing. I think that is a missing link between inaction and action is to create clarity for yourself.
1: Yeah, it's so true. And you know, again, I mentioned you know Sharon's a friend of mine, and one of the things you know, so I, I've had the the beautiful luxury of being on her ranch, and you know, really learning the quad, you know, the the Cashflow Quadrant directly from the person who created it. Right. And one of the things that she says, that and I just want to point this out because you made it, you you talked about this, and by the way. I talk about clarity all the time. It's the first, <laughs> it's the first C in the five C's of cracking the top producer code that I do in my coaching, and it's about clarity. It's like, what do you want? What do you want, right? But the one thing that that she said, and, and I mean, it's just just so simple, but I want to bring it to the to the forefront because you've mentioned it so many times on this podcast is that. Financial freedom for most people is star in the skies, right? Like way high up there in the skies. And this is why people don't take action. Financial freedom is when your passive income is equal to or greater than your job. That's financial freedom. So if you make if you make $70,000 a year and you can replace the $70,000, that's financial freedom. It doesn't have to be Millions and millions, and I think this is why people don't have clarity and why they don't take the action because it's so unattainable in their mind's eye because of the lack of clarity that they have to have millions and millions and millions, and you know this is something that she's she's now talking about all the time. And by the way, she addresses this in her um, book, and I can't think of the name of it right now, but something with the devil can't think of the name of it, but but you know, in her book about that is you know she's it's wrestling with the devil or something like that, and it's really about the the evil of money, right? <laughs> and you know, I think this is something that really people need to understand is that you don't, like you're saying, you don't need the advanced st- strategies. It's just that simple. And if you have that clarity, what financial freedom means to you, not what it means to Michael, not what it means to Joe Blow or what it means to somebody else what does it mean for you it's so much easier to take action because the gap is not as big as you think it is and that's why you're saying people can get this financial freedom in 1 to 3 years
2: well that's right because because of not only the cash flow but but you get these fees from these acquisitions are called acquisition fees it's kind of like a commission but you don't need a license for it and they can be substantial they're 3% of the purchase price so if you buy a million dollar if you syndicate a million dollar building that's $30,000. Now you said yes. 70,000, right? So all I need to do that, here's the 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 the, the rule of thumb. If you want $10,000 per month, just buy yeah. $2 million apartment buildings every year, just yeah. roughly, which is not much because you're raising money, you have partners, $2 million a year, and that's $10,000 a month in income. And a lot of people can do that within 12 to 18 months. It's, it's yeah. unbelievably powerful. Yeah,
1: I yeah. love it. I love it. I love that you said clarity. Thank you so much for doing that. <laughs> And it allows us to just have that. And, and look at, you just chopped it right down in the most simple simple way. And you even said, hey, to buy a $2 million place, I need 250,000. I need five people. I need 12 people. I need two people. Whatever that number is, that's what you want to go and, and try to figure out if you want to buy that big one first. So I think that's wonderful. Michael, thank you so much for sharing this. I am so excited. I hope that you're sending me a copy of the book. right? So I can read the book as well because I love learning all the time. And I know that this is going to make a significant impact on people. And that's what this podcast is all about is taking that action. And, you know, knowing that these are the transitions that you're trying to do to make a significance in your life and your family and in the world, if that's what you're trying to do. So thank you so much for embarking this information to us today. And we really, really appreciate it.
2: Well, thank you for having me, Jen. And thank you for what you're doing to mobilize your listeners to take action. I think we need more of you.
1: <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you very much. And just everybody, I just want you to know that, that we will have all the links that uh, Michael has addressed and we have lots of them. You can connect with him. You can follow him. You can learn from him. And thank you again for taking time to listen to this podcast today. And don't forget to give us a great five-star rating and please take the time to write just a couple sentences of a review. It keeps us going. I love watching and reading those reviews. So again, thank you for your time today, Michael. I appreciate it so much. And we'll catch you on the next episode.
0: Thanks for listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery. Be sure to subscribe to hear more sales tips, ideas, strategies, and tactics to help you with your personal and professional growth to multiply your results in record time. And if you like what we're doing, don't forget to give us a rating and review so we can continue to bring you the best content possible. Wanting more beyond the podcast? Join our Mortgage Lending Mastery membership community where you will find extended interviews with our favorite guests, weekly training, tips, and insider secrets, fireside chats with Jen, free content, meet, share, and collaborate with other members, and so much more. Click the link in the show notes to learn more about this exclusive content. Mortgage Lending Mastery is an industry syndicate charter podcast. Industry Syndicate is the first podcast network specifically for the mortgage and real estate industries. Get the Industry Syndicate app in the App Store or Google Play today.